This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. We're going to have a good time today. How many of you guys are expecting something from the Lord? Right? You might have been come, come expecting to hear from Pastor Mike, and Pastor Mike's not here. You might be disappointed. That's okay. Right? He'll be back next week, okay? But today, I'm here, and uh, you need to not expect from me, but expect from the Lord. So say this with me. I expect, I expect to be transformed, to be transformed and, changed and changed by the Holy Spirit today. All right, well, let's pray and then we'll get into this. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you. I thank you, Father, that uh, we can just gather together in this place, Father, as a, as a spiritual family of believers, Lord. And Father God, we're just thankful for what it is that the Holy Spirit is going to do uh, in the lives of people today, Father. We are trusting and expecting that to take place, and we just thank you, Father, for it. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Well, hey, um, I want to talk to you guys today about uh, a topic that uh, um, is near and dear to my heart. I mean, many of you guys know that uh, uh, I grew up in this church, and church has been a part of who I am since, well, I, I, story has it, I was in a crib uh, in the, some of the very first meetings of this church, and uh, I don't know, uh, so I, I guess I didn't really have a choice, and uh, uh, a while back, somebody asked me, you know, if if, uh, <clears throat> uh, if a, a lottery ticket blew across the parking lot at a gas station and came up against your leg and you picked it up and you put it in your pocket and a few days later you found out that uh, you won the lottery, what would you do with your life? This was years ago. And I said, well, you know, the, the church, I, I care so much about the church that you know, even after taking multiple trips to Florida and buying the, the, the very nice truck that I want and all of those things, uh, I would still serve the church because it's, it's Christ's church, right? And, uh, and so it doesn't really matter, you know, in my life what happens, the church is still uh, my heart, you know? And so today I want you guys to know that, that that's, that's where this message comes from. It comes from my heart because, uh, because not only do I have a heart for the church, but, but every person that's in here, because how many of you guys know that it's not just the building, right? It's the people that, are, that make up the church. You make up the church. Each and every person that sits in here, whether you realize it or not, you make up the church. And, and, and so today, uh, this is, this is uh, um, it comes from my heart because, you know, I walk around and I see things and I, I want the very best for our church. You know, um, in your notes there, it says in Matthew 6, 18, it says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. How many of you guys know, I mean, in the last you know, few months of our lives, it, it, it has seemed maybe a little bit contrary to that. But, but Jesus told us in, in Matthew that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Nothing would prevail against the church. And I don't know if you believe that. You may not believe that. You may be looking at what it is that you see with your natural eyes, and you may not think that, but it does not change the fact that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But how many of you guys know that each and every person that sits in here today makes up the church? So... If that, if that verse is true, and it talks about the fact that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that means you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you, against me, if we will accept that and believe that in our hearts. And so, 
The church, really what Jesus is saying is, is that the church is unstoppable. Jesus tells us here that nothing can overcome it. No, no matter what happens in this life, nothing can overcome the church. The definition for unstoppable is impossible to stop or prevent. It cannot be surpassed. It's unbeatable. I don't know about you, anybody else in here that's a competitive person, right? I know some, Rusty Hunter's written one, that, that he likes that word being unbeatable. But that's what the church is. The church is unbeatable. Jesus said no matter what happens, the church is unstoppable. But how many of you guys know that in order to be unstoppable, there's, there's going to have to be some things. Jesus said, yes, the church would be unstoppable. But there are some things that we as believers have to do. We can't just you know sit here and think, well, we'll just let Jesus take care of it. No, we're a part of the church. We are the hands. We are the feet. The Bible talks about the fact that we, uh, you know, that there's many members in particular. We all make up this body and we are, are, are to uh, we have a part to play in that and I think one of those things that that uh, that part that we have to play is this idea of sacrifice now when we think about sacrifice it's like oh man don't talk about that I don't want to sacrifice right I don't want to I don't want to give up something look in your notes there it sacrifice is de uh, uh, defined as a forfeiture of something highly valued for the sake of one considered to have a greater value or claim how many of you guys know that, G, that God sent His only begotten Son? Remember that? That, that? that He had His Son and He gave up His Son, right? He, he forfeited all of, the, uh, all of His deity and He sent His Son to the earth to, to, for us, for humanity, for the church. And so the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus, that, that, that He was given to us. And so... Um, you know, number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, is this, is that sacrifice is the fuel of the unstoppable church. Sacrifice is the fuel to the unstoppable church. You know, and, and we saw that when, when Jesus birthed the church through what it is that he did when he was on this earth. And I think that the misconception, though, is in our lives is, is that a lot of times we think that, that uh, um, from the, a natural sense, right? Like uh, um, uh, my son, he did a, we, he's playing flag football now, you know, so you come up against these teams and it's like, well, they're unstoppable, they're unbeatable. But, but the reality of, is, is, is that we're looking at these you know, the, the talent or the ability that's there, when in reality, um, that that's not the truth. And so, you know, some people, when it comes to the church, they look at the volunteers or they look at the buildings or they say, well, if, if we have the right pastor, we're going to be successful or, or um, you know, maybe the right staff or if we have enough money, then we'll be, we'll be successful and we'll be um, 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 unstoppable and unbeatable. But when the reality of it is, is that those aren't what determine whether we're unstoppable or not. What determines whether we are unstoppable is our own personal sacrifice. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us play a part when it comes to this, this idea of the church being unbeatable, and it's our own personal sacrifice. Some people will give more, some people will give less, but, but my prayer and my hope is, is that we are a family where we all chip in, we are all a part, we all do our part, we all play our, our part, we all wash the dishes, we all you know, roll up our sleeves and sacrifice our life. 
and, 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 and bring this attitude that, you know what, I'm going to give up what it is that I want to do to be a part. I'm going to give up what I'd really like to go and do to, to serve in the, in, to, in the children's department. I'm going to give up, you know, what I'd really like to do on that night to go and serve at this thing that they're having. That's what, that's what we're talking about when we, when we talk about this idea that sacrifice is the fuel so, so if, if you and I take that position or the attitude that, uh, you know what, I'm just too busy and I can't sacrifice and I don't want to give that up, what ends up happening is, is that the church suffers, the church at large. You know? and, 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 and so we have to understand that sacrifice is the fuel to the unstoppable church. It's our continual sacrifice that fuels the progress and the momentum of the church. The more sacrifice there is, the stronger that we are. And so it's not our buildings. It's not, it's not all of the things that we see in the natural. It's our own, our own what we bring to it. That's like, you know what? I'm going to give this up. I'm going I'm to sacrifice. There was, there was uh, um, uh, this past summer, uh, well, before summer, I was talking to uh, April, our director of children's. I said, hey, you know, you get, you get to go on your, on your uh, uh, people to come, go and, and be with the kids. She's like, yeah, you know, I got so-and-so and so-and-so, and I also have Zach Burt. Like Zach Burry, she goes, yeah. He came up to me and asked if I could, if he could go to camp. Now listen, raise your hand if you've been to a week of camp before. Okay, so yeah, there's a few of you in here. You guys know what a week of camp will do to you, right? It, it separates the men and and the women from the boys and the girls. Okay, and so the thing is, is that Zach, like I was just, I, I that that blessed me, and and I, you know, because. He decided, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice a week of, of my life and away from my family and away from my job, and, 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 and I'm going to go, and I'm going to be with these kids, and I'm going to, I'm going to you know, follow them around and sweat and, and do all the things that we got to do with a good attitude. That's sacrifice. And, and when it comes to the church, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea that it's like, I have to sacrifice. Because how many of you guys know we, we're comfortable people, Right? It's like we got our leather chairs. We got, I mean, some of the, I mean, Brian Yoder drives a truck that has a massager in the back of the seat. I mean, it's the epitome of, of comfort. There's no sacrifice in his truck, okay? When he gets in there, I mean, he probably has a drink that comes up out of the thing when he gets in there. Welcome, Master Yoder, you know, and no sacrifice. But that's not how the church is going to be unbeatable is if we're in this place of comfort. No, it's, it comes through our lives. It's like, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to put aside what it is that I want and what it is that I have to have or think I have to have in order to cause the church to move forward, to cause the church to be unstoppable. I play a part. You play a part. Each one that sits in here plays a part. The question is, what kind of sacrifice will you give in order to make the, the, the church unstoppable. So in your notes there, look at Romans uh, 12.1. It says this in the Amplified Version. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in the view of all the mercies of God to make a, dis a decisive uh, dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and faculties as a living sacrifice as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. I love this verse of Scripture because it's telling us, it's saying, you know, that, that it's our reasonable service. This is the least that we can do. 
Jesus gave his life for each and every single person that sits in here, for me, for you. And, and what this is, Paul is telling us is saying, listen, it's your reasonable service to have a dedication to, to, the, to the church and to Christ. And so we are the body of Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. So that we can do good things. So that we, so that you, so that me, we were created so that we can do good things. Good things, in order to do good things, though, there, there's going to come time where it comes, we have to sacrifice. We have to give up our lives. You know, when it comes to, uh, you know, I, I like statistics, and so sometimes I've, I've got a few things that I subscribe to. And I, but I've I got to tell you guys, it's, it's, it's disappointing, the statistics. I'm not even going to, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through all of the statistics, but the statistics are not positive when it comes to involvement and serving and giving and all of these things. You know, but i got to believe that, you know, even though these statistics may be what we're seeing I don't believe that our church has to be that way. I believe that, that we can, uh, you know, yeah, that was a bump in the road, but you know what? We're going we're gonna to move on. We're going to set aside what it is that maybe other people are doing and the way that they're deciding to go, and we're going to choose to go this way because we recognize that, that, that the church is the bride of Christ. We recognize that we are members in particular. We play a part. And we want to be a part of that. And, and, and so, you know, it's, I, I think it's a dangerous time that you and I live in. It's, it's dangerous, uh, you know, to, that, we, that we don't fall prey to that, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. You know, and so th- when it comes to this idea of dangerous, there's, danger, there's a lot of things in life that are dangerous. There's dangerous things in our home. There's dangerous things in the church. And today, I want to show you one of the most dangerous devices I'm serious. I'm serious. She laughs, but I'm serious. This is one of the most dangerous devices. Now, some of you think you know what it is, but it's actually a tiger in a box, so be careful. You're going to want to watch out. It's the chair. Now, I need, I need a volunteer. Doug, you want to volunteer? Come on up, Doug. So... That's right. He hates to say no when, he's, when it comes to sacrifice. <laughs> Look at that. Here you go. Let me put these on. Yeah, he's going to see, uh, before I give you that, you know, this is another thing that's very, very dangerous in the home. If anybody's ever lost a, a, a remote, how, how many of you guys have ever lost a remote, right? Words are spoken, things are said, unforgiveness is carried, bitterness is had because of a remote. And why is it that they keep making them smaller, right? I, I'm about ready to put mine on a two by four. I was going to do that today. You know, every time I come home, it's like, where is the remote, right? No, okay, but back to the thing. Here you go, the remote source. And uh, we got some Pepsi who, who's not a sponsor yet, right? And uh, Lay's. So if you want to kick that thing back and just, just get comfortable. Just, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, go, go way back. There you go. Yeah, way back. Look at that. Look at that. Now listen, listen. You guys might be thinking to yourself, you know, this, is he really, is this really the most dangerous item in the house is this really the most dangerous item in the church now listen when it comes to you know a mission for god does this does this man that's sitting in this chair look like he is ready to to attack the gates of hell and accomplish anything 
No. That's the answer. If you're wondering, no is the answer. No. Doug is like, I mean, he is comfortable. He's got the remote. He's got his shades on. I mean, he could sleep through the rest of this message and no one would ever know. That's how comfortable he is. So today I want you guys to understand, number two in your notes, comfort is the greatest enemy to sacrifice. Comfort is the greatest enemy to sacrifice. Ah, I don't want to sacrifice. I feel too good. I am too comfortable. Things are too good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to do that, right? Comfort is our greatest enemy to sacrifice. And the greatest threat to our Christian life is not crisis, but comfort. How many of you guys know that crisis, when things are not going good, it's like, dear Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Help me. You know, whatever the situation is at hand, it's like, Father, I'm coming to you. I need your help, right? But what does comfort do? Comfort's the exact opposite. Because when we get comfortable in our Christian walk, what do we do? It's just like, I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to talk to God. I don't need to go to church. I don't, I'm good. I don't need to read my Bible. Things are going really, really good. Why would I need to? And so comfort is the greatest threat to our Christian walk. Why too many people want enough Jesus to secure them, but not enough to change them. I'm going to say that again. It's so good. Too many people want enough Jesus to secure them, but not enough to change them. I want to make heaven, Jesus, I want to make heaven, but don't ask me to serve in the NTP. I want to make heaven, but don't ask me to invite somebody to church Jesus. Please don't invite me. Don't, don't, don't ask me to do that. I'm, just, I'm too nervous about that. I don't think I could do it. But, but, but I'll give you this side. Jesus, I, I, I thank you for everything you did, but don't ask me to give in the offering. Just, just don't. I just, I, you know, I'll give you this part of my life, but, but I don't know about that. People want maximum results with minimal effort. We're talking about our walk. We're talking about the part that we play in the church. So my question to you today is, is, is are you sacrificing? Are you pushing the ball forward? Are you helping the, the church to be unstoppable? Or do you find yourself where Doug is? Now, Doug is a great man. I've, I've watched this man since he started going to church here be sacrificial in his time, okay? Anybody that knows Doug, you know, for years we, we, we go to Council Bluffs and he's in there playing at 6, whatever, 7.30 in the morning. You know, so, so this is all for just the example of it, right? We know that Doug is sacrificial, but he's really got this down, doesn't he? He's really looking like he's got it down. He's been practicing. He's got, he's got one of those chairs at home. <clears throat> So people want maximum results with minimal effort, but often people are glad to help if it's convenient. I know that one hurts. But hey, let's just say it, right? Let's just get it out there, you know? If, if it's convenient, I'll serve. If it's convenient, I'll be at church. If it's convenient, I'll give. If it's convenient. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, yeah, you know, it's just not convenient. I, I got other things to do. No, man. He sacrificed. And so why would, why would our lives as Christians be any different? 
It wouldn't. It's not going to be. And so too many people believe the Bible will work for them because they know the formula versus knowing him. I say this to the teens all the time because, because that's what we're trying to instill in them in the youth department, that it's like, listen, you know, your mom and dad have raised you, they've brought you to church, and they're t- you know, you've been taught the Word of God. But at some point, it's going to be on you to not just know the formulas, to not just know, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. No, you've got to know the author. You've got to know who Jesus is for yourself. Otherwise, when you walk out the doors of the church, you're going to get it handed to you. So it's important that we don't know just the formulas, but that we know who he is. Je- Remember, Jesus said that, that he's going to come someday, and he's going to tell people that I never knew you. So it's important for us as believers to know who he is. Jesus addressed this attitude of comfort uh, in the uh, book of Revelations. And in your notes there, it says in Revelations 3.15, see, the church at Laodicea was one of seven churches, and it was referred to as the church of comfort. And look what it says. It says that I know all these things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know what's really sad about it is that history tells us that the church at Laodicea was one of the richest, was was one of the most successful, was one of the most well-educated churches. But yet, we see here in Scripture that they they had the most to give, but they gave the least. And and, and so today, my my prayer and my hope is is that what you're getting out of this is is that what is it that you have to give? Or, or, Or have you laid back in the chair of comfort in your, in your spiritual walk, thinking, you know what? I mean, I've done that. I've, I've served over there. I've, I've served back there. Or I've served for this many years. Or I've, I've given for all this time. You know, isn't it somebody else's turn to sacrifice? But listen, guys, someday we're going we're gonna to give an account. And I guarantee you that that's not the answer that you're going to want to give. You're going to be like, man, I, I pressed hard from, from the beginning to the end. I, I served faithfully and, 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 and with all of my might, with all of my strength to the very end. It didn't matter how old I was. It didn't matter what I had done. It didn't matter how, what I had become. I, there was this, I was at this con- uh, conference and there was a pastor there. And it was just, it blessed me. Because this man was like, like independently wealthy. Like he had plenty of money didn't need a job and had had a business and and businesses and people that worked for him and he was just very very wealthy and but he had this sense upon him that he was called into the ministry but he didn't really know how to to do that just because of his position and so what ended up happening was is that he um somebody came to him and said hey we want you to be the director now this is a, a little bit larger church but we want you to be the director of the ntp this, we're talking about a man who, who is independently wealthy, has lots and lots of money, and you would not picture this man, I mean, I mean just, just dressed perfectly. Like, when he walks, it's like perfect posture. I mean, just very, very uh, educated, and, and he was asked to run the NTP in this church. And him and his wife said, absolutely, we will. And so they began to serve in this, in this department, served and just did what they knew to do. 
And they were there for, I think, two, two years. And then somebody called him and said, we want you to come and be the pastor of our church. And now he pastors a very, very large church in Atlanta, Georgia. But, but my point is this. He, at no point did he, you know, roll back in his chair and just think, well, you know, I'm really comfortable. I make a lot of money. I don't need to do that. No, he, he was being led by the Spirit. He, he sensed something within his heart, and he recognized that, that there was a sacrifice that was going to have to be made, maybe to his pride, maybe to who it was that he was. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to step into that position. I'm going to do what it is that, that, that God is asking me to do, and I'm going to serve with my whole heart. And I'm going to run it to the best of my ability, and promotion came to him. But my point is that he did not allow comfort to overcome him. And so uh, the church of today, is, it, it's kind of like, you know, just tell me what I want to be to feel comfortable. That's not, that, you know, listen, I don't want to play patty cake, patty cake, baker's man until Jesus comes back. Do you? No, I want to, I want to, I want to move forward. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to see our church, you know, continue to just reach in this region, but it's going to take you and I, not just me. It's going to take all the people that are sitting in here and all the people that couldn't be here to do that. And so it comes down to this, this idea that we're not comfortable in our sin. We're not comfortable in, 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 in something that we call a weakness. No, if, if it's a sin, let's deal with it. If it's sin, let's, 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 let's deal with it and get past it. And let's not be the, a, a church that it's like, well, it's, just, it's okay you know, to conform to the world on one side and then come and be a part. No, listen, the Bible is very, very clear that it's like, listen, you're either on this, you know, you're either on one side of the fence or on the other side. You can't be in the middle. You get your britches ripped out. Pastor Mike has said that all through the years, right? And so we can't uh, be that church that's just like, oh, just tell me what I want to hear. No, we are a church of sacrifice. Look at what it says here in Philippians 3.18. 3.18 says that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about their life here on earth. I don't want to be like that. I don't want my God to be my appetite. I don't want to be about, I don't want the things that all I think about are the things here on earth. Jesus challenged that, that thinking in, in this in Matthew 16.24. It said, and then Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Now, if you've, if you've read any of the uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the stories about when Jesus went about and, and gathered the disciples, some of the excuses were, were, were you know, we would think like the one, one man, his, uh, one of his family members had died. And, and Jesus' response was, let the dead bury the dead. Right? So what, what he was saying was like, listen, there's, there's going to be sacrifice. There's sac and this is what Jesus was saying. There's sacrifice in following and being a part of the church. God warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8. Look at what it says here uh, in, in your notes there. It says in chapter 8, verse 10, When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given to you. But that is the time to be careful. Did I underline that? Yeah, I did. That's the time to be careful, right? When you've eaten your fill and things are going good, 
When life's great, when you know, you've gone through life and you've worked hard and you've built the business and you've done the thing and life gets comfortable, he's saying, God told the Israelites, that's when it's time to be careful. Why? Because, because if we go through life and we push and we, and we do all of these things and then we, we, we rest in our, in our comfort and what we in, it ends up being what, what causes us to not walk out and continue to fulfill what it is that God wants to do in us and through us. And so it goes on to say, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when you, uh, your flock and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multi- uh, multiplied with everything else, be careful. How applicable is that? I mean, we could change some of these things. We could say, you know, your flocks and your herds, you know, the, the home that you built uh, and you know right now you overpaid 100000 for, but we won't talk about that. Um, you know, your stock and your gold and your, your, all of the things. He's saying, be careful. It goes on to say, verse 15, Do not forget that, you le- uh, that he led you through the great and ter- terrifying wilderness with the poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from a rock. He fed you with manna. He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved wealth with my own strength and my own energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed to your ancestors. So the reality of sacrifice is this. Number three in your notes, life takes on significance when we live beyond ourselves. Life takes on significance when we live beyond ourselves. You know, I was just with somebody this week, and they were talking about a, a time where they were, um, they, they, they felt like they wanted to serve. And so they went to this person, the, the director, and they said, hey, uh, you got any positions that you need filled? And the person's like, yeah, I, I need somebody to uh, go and teach third graders. Third graders. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but third graders can be wild, especially if you have a room full of boy third graders, right? And, he's, and, and this individual's like, oh, man, I'm not real sure if I want to do that. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I may not, you know, I, I may not feel like I can do this, but I'm going to do this. And so he did it. And, and he told me, he's like, you know, what was really, really crazy about it is, is that it was one of the most rewarding times of his life. And, it, and when he went to go leave, he, he tried to get this other individual that was a friend of his to, to take it over for him. And that person was like, I'm not sure about that. But it's this, this idea of sacrifice that life takes on significance when we live beyond ourselves. Our life takes on significance. Remember Solomon? He was referred to in the Bible as one of the wealthiest and wisest people to ever live. He had wealth. He had servants. uh, He had pleasure. He had all these things. Look what it says here in Ecclesiastes 2. This is what Solomon said at the end of his life. He said, So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work and reward in all of my labor. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere, which was crazy, you know, because it's like, here's a man that had everything. He had wealth. He had, he had all of this stuff. 
right? And, that, and that's really kind of the American dream that we, we, had, we want to, to have. It's, it's, it's what he, he, was, he did. He chased it. But when he got to the end, he's like, he realized, he's like, listen, it's like chasing the wind. There's no purpose. There's no meaning in life. And so number four in your notes, God created us to be world changers, not wind chasers. Sacrifice leads to significance. And self-gratification leads to emptiness. I don't know about you, but I want a life that is one that I have significance. I want to have purpose. Let's give it up for our friend here in the recliner and let him go back to his kids. I know he's really, really comfortable, but we don't want to let him get comfortable. That's the whole point of today. Let's give it up for Doug. And you, you can claim these later. Bill Hybels said this, the desire to be a world changer is planted in the heart of every human being. And that desire comes directly from the heart of God. We can suffocate the desire in selfishness, silence it with chatter of competing demands, or bypass it on a fast track to personal achievement. But it's still there. Whenever we wonder if the daily 8 to 5 grind is our round-the-clock parenting tasks are all there is to life, the divine desire nudges us. Whenever we feel restless and unsatisfied, the desire whispers to our soul. Whenever we wonder um, what a life of real purpose would feel like, the desire calls us to something more. You know, everyone, everyone that's in here today has, has the temptation to sit in the chair of comfort. You know, I mean, it, it could be, it could be, you know, that, that uh, you lost your job, you know, in this time. I know people that have lost their job. You could have been, uh, you could have been a person that has lost a loved one. Um, the chair could be all kinds of different things. But, but my, my admonishment to you today is, is to not just say, well, you know what, That's, it's just what it is, you know, and, and not roll back in the chair of comfort but to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be comfortable. I'm not going to just stay here where I'm comfortable. I'm going to do what it is that, that, that God is telling me to do in my heart. You know, to stand up, to continue to move forward, to continue to push forward, continue to believe Him. That's what He wants. That's what He wants our lives to represent so that, that, that the day comes. It may not be today that we get th th that answer, but there's going to come that day where he comes through for us he, and he shows himself strong. But we have to move out of that place of comfort in our lives. There's a lot of people that live in the when-then zone. You know what I'm talking about? When I get married, I'll be happy. When I get a right, the right house, I will start a small group. When I have enough time, I'll do what it is that I feel like I should be doing in my heart. When I get out of debt, then I'll start giving. When my kids grow up, then I'll start working on my marriage. We, we all do it. We all say it. it, it for, for every one of us, it might be different, but, but we have to fight that urge that it's like, you know what? I'm not going to say when, you know, when this happens, then I'll do it. No, we have to just make that decision that I'm going to do it now. 
I'm not going to sit in that chair. Number five in your notes there, it says this. We must turn our when into now and our tomorrow into today. Into today. Yeah, I can't say it. You got it. It's in your notes. I mean, you guys, you guys know, you guys all watch Annie, right? What's the song? Come on, sing it. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I don't know if I'm in the right octave or not. It doesn't really matter. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. You guys really didn't sing with me. That, you just like left me hanging, right? I'm on national television here, and you guys just left me hanging. <laughs> a little background noise would have been helpful, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll read my Bible. Next week, I'll give in the offering. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll talk to that person about serving. Tomorrow, right? We always put it off a day. And, 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 and we can't do that. We need to do it now. We have to stay. no, I'm not stopping. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to stop in what, what it is that I'm doing. I'm going to do what it is that I need to do. And so what if we got out of our chair to do something great for God? We can't buy the lie, guys. It's a lie that the enemy sells a lot of us because life is comfortable. We get, we, we, life is easy. We have more than enough. We got all of this stuff. And, and, and so the enemy can't get us with crisis. He can't get us with crisis. So what's he do? He gets us with comfort. And so that's why, you know, that's the whole point of today is, is that this, this idea of comfort is so dangerous for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter where we're at in our walk with God. It doesn't matter where we're at in life. Comfort is dangerous. And so we have to, number six, sacrifice will always lead us to more, not less. That, to me, is the greatest deception of all, that, that the enemy tells so many people that, that it, well, you know, just, just hold on to what you have. Don't just, just, you know, just get this and get this and get this. And, you know, if I can get this and then I can do this. And, and we, we, we're trying to do this and we're holding on to it. And we're like, no, 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 no. You're not touching this. I work too hard for this. But that's the great deception. Because why? What does, what does uh, Galatians say? It says this, Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. It will come back to you. Look at we got farmers that are in our church today. They're getting ready. I've talked to a lot of them. Man, they're getting their equipment ready, and they're getting ready to head out to the, the field. Why? Because the harvest is ready. Now, in the spring, if they would have been like, no, 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 I'm just going to do just, I'm not going to do, I'll just do, I'll just do half of it because I just don't want to, I don't want to overextend myself. No, man, they bought as much seed as they could. They planted every square inch of their fields and then some. Why? Because they knew that the harvest was coming. And the same thing is true in our lives. We have to have that attitude that it's like, you know what? I understand that when I give my life away, I'm going to get more. I'm not, it's not going to be subtracted from me. It's going to be added to me. And that's how the kingdom of God works. He adds to us as we sacrifice our lives. When we sacrifice, uh, sacrificially plant and invest our time, talents, and treasures, we will experience an abundant harvest. How many of you guys remember uh, the story of uh, uh, the little boy that had the two fish and the five loaves, right? That story is so cool to me because it's like, here's a, here's a little boy who was out and about doing what he had. He you know, had his fish over his shoulder and had his, had, had his bread in his bag. Man, he's rolling down, comes upon you know, uh, the disciples and Jesus, and they're all out there, and the disciples are like, Jesus, listen, we, we have got to feed. We've got all these people, and man, you preached way too long, and, and, and it's, they're hungry. So either we need to feed them or we need to go to Taco Bell, right? No, and, and so what did Jesus say? Jesus said he found this boy, 
And, and, and he asked the boy if he could have the, the, the fish and the loaves, and then sushi style, right? Chop, 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 chop. And they fed all of these people. And then what happened at the end? They had like 12 baskets left over, left over. And, and, and so can you imagine if that boy would have been like, you really think? I mean, how many, how many times have we done this? It's like, oh, man, my, my, my two fish and five loaves, it's not going to feed all these people. How many times do we say, oh, man, I, I can only give $10 or I can only give $50. My, my $10, what is that? It's just, it, it, that's that idea that, that it can't, it can't, nothing can be done with it and it's, and it's too little for God. But, but what Jesus did was is he took what this little boy had and he, he multiplied it. He wants to do that in our lives. He wants us to say, you know what? I'm not going to give in to the lie. I'm not going to believe this lie that, that, that if I give it away, that I'll lose it. No, man, when I give it away, I'll know, I know that it'll be brought back to me. It'll be multiplied to me just as the boy that, that, that gave up his fish and his loaves, it'll be multiplied back to us. Look at what 2 Corinthians says here in, ver- in chapter 9 as we bring this to a close. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a great crop. You know, we could read it this way. The person who sacrifices a little will get a little. And the person who sacrifices a lot will get a lot. It goes on to say that you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And and don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything that you need, plenty left over to share with others. I want to believe that. I want you to believe that. That when it comes to your life, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your talent, when it comes to your time, when you give away, God, God multiplies it. He blesses it. And that leads me to the last point, and this is, is this. The fruit of our life can only be experienced after planting in the soil of sacrifice. That's how our church is going to continue to be unstoppable. That's how this local body of, of believers are, 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 are the per- people that decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside my time, what I want, what I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be involved, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read the word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part, I'm going to sacrifice my life for the, for the benefit of the church, because I know that when I do that, when I play that part, it's, it's helping to, to push the church forward. It's helping the pr- church to be unbeatable. It's helping the church to be unstoppable. When Jesus comes, I want to be seen as the person that was about the Father's business. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being about the Father's business, and that is sacrificing our lives. So, you weren't Doug, you didn't sit in the chair, but you guys are all really, really comfortable. Why? Because your pastor bought seats that have coils in the pews. So I want you guys to stand up right now because you're all too comfortable. You're all way too comfortable. So what is it? My question to you guys today is, is what is it that you're comfortable with in your life? What is it that, as I spoke, did the Holy Spirit speak to your life about? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's a comfort. Maybe it's a lie that you've believe, been believing. I don't know what it is, but, but today, when you, when you stood up, it's like, okay, that's it. You're drawing a line in the sand. We're going to be sacrificial in our life. 
So we're going to pray right now. And, and, and as we pray, just have a conversation with God. Say, Lord, th- th- that right there, that's, I, 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 I hear you. I heard what you said to my heart. I know that this is what I need to change and this is what I'm going to do. So as you do that, I, I don't need you to raise your hand because it's between you and God. So let's pray and then, and, and then we'll bring it to a close. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for our time here together. Lord, I thank you, Father, for each and every person that's in this place. Because they're our church family. They're my church family. Life would not be the same without each and every one of them. I'm so thankful, Father God, for the people that you have sent into this spiritual family, Father. But Lord, if there's people that are in here today and they are comfortable in their life, Lord, God, I just pray that you would strengthen them with might, Father. I pray that you would help them to make the decision, Father, to, to make that change, to not put it off to tomorrow, but to, 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 to do it today. Father, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, that there would be a, a new boldness and a new strength in our lives, Father God. Because we play a part in this unbeatable church, Father God. And we need your strength. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father God. As we go about our daily business, Father, and as we do our daily things, Father, I pray that you would strengthen us and and, and make us bold. Help us to step out, Father God. When those opportunities, Father, to share the love of Christ, Father, with others comes, I pray that you would not allow us to walk away. Father, when there's a need that's that's within this church, Father, I pray that people would be... be calling and knocking on the door and tapping on the shoulder and saying, I will do that. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's in here today. And I thank you, Father God, for the change that is taking place in our lives from here forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, you may be seated.